Hey, good morning, New Hope. Uh, this is Pastor Steve here, and um, as you probably have already heard, um, unfortunately, Becky, Megan, and myself um, have tested positive for COVID, and uh, right now we are symptomatic as well, with fever and just kind of feeling like a, a rough head cold. Um, so continue praying for us, but uh, you know we're not afraid. We know that we're going to pull through this just fine. God is just that good. He's done it over and over and over again, and He's going to do it uh, for us as well. You know, we're just standing on that in faith and in uh, fullness of, of belief. You know that uh, we will experience God. God's goodness here in the land of the living. And so um, it's interesting to come to you once again from this perspective. Um, I never thought I'd be on the big screen, but here I am. And uh, some of you might have thought that I, my head couldn't possibly get any bigger, but yet, you know, here, here we are. Uh, but anyways, it's a blessing to have technology, to be able to connect. Um, God gave me a word that I really firmly felt like uh, was for this week. And so uh, we're not going to let anything stop us from accomplishing God's will and his purposes in life. And so... Um, this morning, I felt like maybe some of y'all feel stuck in life. Um, you're discontent with where you're at, but you know you can't possibly go backward. Life just doesn't work that way. Um, and yet you're unsure of where to go from here. Um, uncertain about your future, you're hesitant to take the next step. However, you're certain you just got this feeling in your gut, I believe it's a Holy Spirit uh, discernment, that you can't stay where you're at right now. Something has to change, something has to give. And um, so the question is, if you know that, why not take the next step? Why not just move forward in life? Um, maybe it's because you're afraid. Afraid you might fail. Uh, afraid you might choose the wrong path. Uh, maybe afraid that you'll get hurt again. Um, maybe just afraid to venture into new things. You know, you've been so comfortable in life for so long and you're just used to the, um, you know, just to the same things. It's just a comfort, comfortable environment, um, an atmosphere that you're used to and you're afraid of letting go of that to move forward. Um, you know, maybe it's that you're afraid that you're going to walk that path alone, that by taking that next step, um, you may lose some friends and some, um, you know, relationships in the process. These are natural and, and very ordinary responses to change. However, us as followers of Christ, we are more than just normal, ordinary people, right? Followers of Christ are supernatural and extraordinary people. Yes, we still live in this flesh. We still experience the same emotions and, and have the same anxieties and concerns and uncertainties. Um, but we are also new creations who have been purposed to walk by faith and not by sight. So that allows us and enables us to uh, step forward in confidence and boldness, even in uncertainty and fear. Um, we may be afraid, we may feel fear, but we know as 2 Timothy chapter 2 verses 1 through 7 uh, reminds us that God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but one of power, love, and self-discipline. And so we may feel afraid, but fear no longer has control of our lives. The grip that fear had on us has been broken, destroyed, demolished. Fear has lost its grip. We now have the spirit of the living God within us that helps us to overcome all fear, all timidity that we might feel. We have the raw power of God living within us so that Nothing can stand against us, as Romans chapter 8 teaches. 
we have within us a perfect love, the very person of God that drives out, that casts out all fear, all fear. We have been fully equipped to discipline ourselves, to no longer bow down to the lies that our fears are shouting to us. We don't have to walk around in uncertainty either. That same spirit that baptized Jesus and enabled and equipped him to do all the miracles that he did, that same Holy Spirit that, um, that rose him from the grave, lives in us. Again, according to, according to Romans chapter 8. Um, listen to just some of what Isaiah prophesied that the Spirit of God would do within us. This is coming from Isaiah chapter 11, verses 2 and 3 from the New Living Translation. He prophesied that the spirit of wisdom and understanding, wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord. Again, not being afraid of making mistakes, not being afraid of uh, what people may think, not being afraid of failure, but fearing the Lord, desiring to honor him, to obey him, to, to uh, revere him in, in all of our life's decisions. Isaiah continued prophesying about Jesus and what the Spirit of God will enable him to do. And now that applies to us, what the Spirit of the living God would enable us to do. It says in verse 3 that he will delight in obeying the Lord. He will not judge by appearance nor make decisions based on hearsay. So we no longer make decisions or judgments based on what things look like. We no longer make decisions based on what seems the right thing to do or on the hearsay of what other people tell us we should do or tell us the right thing is to do. We are empowered and emboldened to delight in just doing what God calls us to do. Whether people are for us or against us, agree with us or disagree with us, we have been empowered and encouraged to delight in just following the Lord, obeying Him, whatever He calls us to do, whether it makes any sense or whether it even looks right by human standards. When we feel stuck in life, we're usually not in a very good place. However, that doesn't mean that God doesn't have a purpose for it. And that doesn't mean that God is finished with us. That doesn't mean that he isn't going to do something good through these things. We may have made mistakes that put us in the situation we're at in life, but God can work all things together for good. What you may be going through right now may not be good, but God can work it for good. It's a powerful thing. Listen to what the word of the Lord declares about you if you're in that place right now. And this is again coming from the book of Isaiah, uh, now in chapter 30, verses 20 and 21. It says that although the Lord gives you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, you're not in a good place. You're not in a comfortable place. And whether it's by your own decisions or whether it's just by circumstances that the Lord has orchestrated, regardless of what the case may be, the bread of adversity, the water of afflictions, he says that your teachers will be hidden no more. You no longer have to wonder and, and worry, why am I going through this? What's going on? Your teachers will be hidden no more. You'll begin to understand. In fact, it says, with your own eyes, you will see them. You'll kind of have those ah moments, you know, those aha moments where all of a sudden it makes sense. In verse 21, he says, whether you turn to the right or to the left, 
your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. And of course, we know that the fulfillment of that prophecy of uh, Isaiah is the Holy Spirit within us, the voice of God as we are walking through life, telling us, whether we go to the left or the right, this is the way, walk in it. He will guide and direct us and step our paths. He will, as uh, the, the Psalms say, that he will make a light unto our path so that we can keep in step with him. What confidence we have when we walk by faith, hearing the Holy Spirit. Because God is a gracious and merciful God. Even if you get out of step, he will just give you that little nudge of, no, 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 this is the way, walk in it. Even when you fail, he will forgive you and extend his mercy and grace. He will get you right back where you left off. He will clearly guide us down the path of the Lord that he desires us to be on. Even if we start to stray, he will redirect us saying, this is the way, walk in it. But here's the key. Here's where it gets difficult. This is the challenge, and I don't know how else to phrase it. This is the part where we usually miss it. This is what keeps us stuck. We have to start walking. We have to take the next step in faith. God won't force us to do his will. He will cooperate with us as we take the next step. He will direct us to the left or to the right. He will encourage us or discipline us or whatever we need to stay on the path. But we have to take the next step. If we don't step out in faith, we will be stuck. Our faith will be squandered. In fact, James says that faith without works is dead. And I just want to kind of challenge you to pray about it and to seek God about it. If your faith is the same as it was a month ago, six months ago, a year ago, if your faith is stuck, then child of God, it's time to get up and start walking time to start walking, take that next step of faith. Because there are way, way, way too many examples of this exact literal thing happening in the scriptures. So many times God's people just literally needed to take the next step forward in faith to where God met them. And he did the miraculous to lead them into fulfillment of his promises to them. This morning, we're just going to look at one. But again, all through the Old and New Testament, it was a matter of walking in faith. They had to take the next step or they got stuck and they missed out on the promises of God and things got not so good for them. You remember um, Israel, right? They got um, comfortable in Egypt and that wasn't where God wanted them. That wasn't the promises that he had for them. He had to kind of bring on the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, not because he wanted to harm his people, but because he had better things for them. So child of God, if you're in that place, God has something better for you that he is beckoning you into. Take that next step. Remember that um, this morning we're going to look at one example of this, to give us the boldness and the courage and the faith that we need to take our next step. But remember that as we read this scripture, it's coming from the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, where the presence of God uh, rested in the Ark of the Covenant, that physical wooden box, you know, covered in gold um, that, that no one was allowed to touch. Um, now under the New Covenant, we are the Ark of the Covenant. Our bodies are the temple of the living God. The presence of God lives in us, so keep that in mind as we read forward. Here we find that God's people were stuck, even as you may be feeling this morning. They were being led into new places that they'd never been before. 
Those places were inhabited by very strong people who were enemies to them. They were not friendly toward them. They were being led to enter into territories of people whom they'd never even met before. The only reason that God allowed them to dwell, their enemies to dwell in those lands, was to preserve the land for them so that it wouldn't get overrun by weeds and animals, so that the land would be fruitful. God is calling us to live a fruitful life, full of the fruits of the Spirit. That's the only reason that God allowed the enemy to remain on and inhabit his promises to Israel, his people. He allowed the enemy to take place there and to dwell there only as a placeholder until God's people had enough faith to rise up and to take over the territory. If you remember, the generation of Moses didn't have what it took. They didn't trust God, so they perished in the wasteland. But then the Joshua generation that we're reading about this morning, they rose up and they took it. They took hold of the promises of God in fullness of faith. And we're going to read through um, the whole chapter of Joshua chapter 3. Um, here they were about to enter Jericho after just spying it out. If you remember this story from Rahab last week, as she uh, kept a couple of those spies safe. This is where God was now leading his people to evict the enemy from their promises and to take what was rightfully theirs. God has some promises that you haven't taken a hold of yet. It's yours. And this is the season of stepping out in faith to take hold of it all, uh, missing out on nothing. It was God's promised land for them. And God is also leading you into your promised land. The victory is yours, even as it was theirs. He's leading you into unknown territory, among unknown people, perhaps even to a place where a new enemy awaits you that you've never had to fight before. But the victory is yours. The promise is yours. God is with you and for you. He will never leave you or forsake you. The battle is the Lord's. Victory is yours, the battle's his. Just trust him to fight it as you take the next step in faith, right? It will only be accomplished when we do that. When we obediently do what God is calling us to do, that's where the miraculous takes place. So here we start in Joshua chapter 3, verse 1. It says, Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan, where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Modern day translation, pursue the presence of God. Follow his lead. Keep in step with the Spirit of God. Where the Spirit of God is going, you follow. In verse 4 it says, then you will know which way to go. God didn't instruct them on their next step. He just said, follow me. No idea where they were going. They just had to obediently follow the next step that the Spirit was leading them toward. He said, then you'll know which way to go because you've never been this way before. But keep a distance of about 3,000 feet between you and the ark. Do not go near it. Now we no longer have to keep a distance because Jesus fulfilled the law. We are now righteous and able to come boldly into the presence of God. In fact, we carry the presence of God, not because of our righteousness, but because of Jesus's and what he did on the cross. But this is during the old covenant when the people could not enter the presence like that, or they would be killed and destroyed because of their sinful state. 
But even at a distance, the safest place for God's people was to follow the Spirit wherever He went, even if you were heading straight into the enemy's territory. It is still the safest place for you to be if you're following the Spirit of the Lord. And so Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. See, often when we face uncertainty, the enemy brings fear into the very place in our lives where hope is supposed to be. Hope fills us with eager anticipation that something good is about to happen. That God is going to do amazing, miraculous things among us here and now today. Fear fills us with anxiety and hopelessness. It fills us with the anticipation that something bad is going to happen. You just know it. It's not going to end well. In fact, fear lies to you and tells you that you're entering into unknown territory. You're making a mistake and God's not going to help you. He's not going to help you. He's going to leave you on your own. It's time for God's people to rise up, to cast out fear, and to fill those very areas of your mind, of your soul, of your emotions. Those very places that are gripped with fear, it's time to evict fear and allow hope to fill those voids in those places. Hope in what the Lord is going to do. Joshua said to consecrate yourself, to literally prepare yourself to experience a mighty move of God who will do amazing things for you. And people of God, it is time to consecrate ourselves, to prepare ourselves, to have hope again, to expect great things from our great God. Joshua said to the priest in verse 6, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and went ahead of him. And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel, so that they may know that I am with you even as I was with Moses. Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. Joshua said to the Israelites, come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. The word of God is not just for the leaders, it's for all people. The word of God is what gives all of us the faith and the hope and the courage we need to step forward in faith. So he gathered all the people and he said, listen to the word of the Lord. This is how you will know that the living God is among you and that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Gerashites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. You see, this just wasn't about Jericho. This was setting the stage for the people of God to rise up and to defeat even greater enemies, to take a hold of even greater promises. He was calling them to step up their faith, to step up their expectations of what God is able to do. You see here, he goes on, he says, see in verse 11, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. God's going ahead of you. He's going to meet you there. You have nothing to fear because the Lord is already there. He's omnipresent. He's with you. He's before you. And he's got your rear guard as well. You're surrounded by the presence of God. It may look like you're surrounded, but I'm surrounded by God, right? That's what you got to believe. See, God is going to drive out the enemy. The battle is his. He's going ahead of you. The spoils of the victory is ours. He freely gives all things to us. However, we have to take the next step of faith in him. We have to cooperate with him so that his will may be accomplished through us. 
That's his heart. That's his plan. That's his purpose. So in verse 14, we continue on. It says, So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during the harvest. Yet as soon as a priest who carried the Ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a great heap a great distance away in a town called Adam. <laughs> Going back to the garden, right? That's where, that's where sin entered the picture, but that's where salvation takes care of the picture as well. In a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarethan. When the water flowing down to the Sea of Arabah, that is the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground while all of Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed crossing on dry ground. Now it's easy for us to read this and to miss something. Now as country folk who grew up playing in creeks, we may get this, right? When you're playing in a creek and a great distance away you dam up the water of that creek, does it become dry instantly? Not by any means. There's a long period of time until that water stops flowing and dries up, right? The priests took a step into the flooded river and they felt the powerful flow of that water in its flood stages. They felt the pressure that could easily sweep them off their feet and take their lives from them. They had the pressure of carrying the very presence of God and the responsibility of that. They had to continue to take step by step in faith that they were doing what God had told them to do through Joshua. <laughs> they had to have faith in God and also that their leader was accurately hearing from God. Step by step, they had less and less control and each step required a greater and greater amount of faith to take because the river was still at its floodwaters. Even when they could not see it, God was working. Even when they could not feel it, God was working. They were feeling the mighty floodwaters, and yet God had already taken care of it. A great distance away upstream, he had gone ahead of them and prepared a way for them to cross on dry ground. It's a powerful thing. It's very easy to miss here. They were walking in faith, feeling the full current of the floodwaters of the Jordan. However, that, the reality of that miracle reached them at just the right time. When they reached the middle of the flooded Jordan River, they found themselves standing on dry ground. As they continued to stand in the middle of the River Jordan, they had faith that that dammed up flood would not come rushing down in a tsunami wall to overtake them. They stood in faith in the middle of the Jordan River while the rest of the people passed along priesthood, standing in the gap, preparing the way, right? And you are a nation of priests and priestesses, preparing the way for people to enter into the promises. God then instructed 12 men to put on their shoulder a stone. So these are big rocks. They, they went into the middle of the Jordan in the dry ground and they carried these big stones into their camp and built a memorial for them as a reminder to the generations to follow of the miracle that God had done for them um, on that very day. 
We too easily forget the miraculous acts of God that happen in our lives. We too easily overlook the miracles that are happening uh, right among us, even in our stuck place. In some way, whether keeping a journal, a blog, a pin on Pinterest, Instagram, or just by some other physical means, it would be wise for us to memorialize the great works that God does for us so that we won't soon forget. And so when we get stuck again, we can look back on what God did for us in our lives to give us the hope and the faith to drive out, to cast out fear, and to take that next step in full trust and faith in the Lord. In fact, it serves not only for our testimony, but to help others believe in the Lord as well. When they hear how God overcame your impossibilities, it gives them the faith that God will do it for them as well. Yes, God loves us more than we could ever possibly know, but he often, almost always, does the miraculous in our lives, not just for our good and benefit, but so that the world can get to know him better. That's what Joshua shared. The purpose and the heart of God was as well. And we find this in a little later in Joshua chapter 4, verses 23 to 24. He writes here and he says, For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan River before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan what he did to the Red Sea when it dried up before us and Moses until we had crossed over. He did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful, powerful, so that you might always fear only the Lord your God. You see, God is doing a work in you. You're in a stuck place. You're, you're tasting the bread of affliction and the waters of adversity, not just for your own testimony in the making, but because you are going to overcome this. You're going to receive the promises of God and you are going to walk away with it with a testimony for the world to know the greatness of our Lord and what he will do for them as well. Many will see and hear and fear the Lord, putting their faith in him alone. Then the day came when they had to take another step of faith. We find this in Joshua chapter 6, verses 1 through 5. See, they crossed the Jordan, they got to Jericho, and it says the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. The world had heard about the mighty hand of the Lord. No one went out, and no one came in. Now, if, if you grew up watching, you know, Charlie and Chocolate Factory, it's kind of that uh, idea, you know, the gates are up, no one ever goes out, no one ever comes in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I've delivered Jericho into your hands along with its king and all of its mighty fighting men. <laughs> now, let's just repeat those two verses, but this time let's pretend that we don't know how this story ends. Pretend this is you looking at your stuckness, at your impossibility. Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. But the Lord said to Joshua, see, Look at the walls. Look at the gate. I've already delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. You see, God sees what we do not see. It required a great deal of faith to look at the securely barred gates, the impenetrable walls of Jericho, and to see in that that the city had been delivered into his hands, along with its king and fighting men. That's why we absolutely must walk by faith and not by sight.
because God sees what we don't see. And so it's not that we're walking blindly, it's that we're walking by the eyes of God, seeing what God sees and trusting in him. God invited Joshua to see as he had seen. God wasn't stupid, he wasn't foolish, he wasn't a liar. He saw where his people were. He saw the impossibility from human standards of what he just spoke. However, God doesn't see things from a human perspective. He also sees things from his perspective, from eternity. Those gates and those walls were nothing for his great power. There is nothing too hard for our God. God invited Joshua in, and he's inviting you in as well, to see as he sees, to see beyond your immediate circumstances, beyond your stuckness, into the promises that he is calling you into. We are to be a supernatural people who expect extraordinary impossibilities as our reality. Like Joshua, God has invited us to see as he sees by faith. What was it going to take to release the power of God to make the impossible their reality, to overtake Jericho? It required God's people to literally take the next step. Much like the priests, it wasn't going to take just a single step of faith either, but many, many, many literal steps of faith. It was a journey, and God has you on a journey as well. It's time to get up off your butt, Stand back up on your feet, see with eyes of faith, and to get moving, right? God's people obeyed. What he called them to do here in verse 3 was to do this. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Six days. Have seven priests carry the trumpets of the ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army of God give a loud shout. <laughs> then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up, everyone straight in. See, I remember a message from Marie not long ago about having that boldness and courage to open our mouths. God doesn't want a silent, quiet, just reverent, humble people. God wants a holy people, a people of faith. A people who shout, who raise the horns, who, who, who are extravagant in their worship of him, who are bold and courageous, who speak faith, who make declarations and proclamations like Sharon does every Sunday morning, who leads us in proclamations of what God's going to do. That's where the walls of your stuckness come crumbling down. When you start speaking words of faith, when you start speaking into your impossibilities the promises of God, and you start believing them for yourself, then... You take the next step. You walk out into those promises of the unknown. And that's what God's people did. They took each step in faith around that city as many times as it took. It made no earthly sense. It was a ridiculous battle plan. But it's what God said, so they trusted it. They trusted it because they trusted him. It didn't take just one day or two days. It was the seventh day, the seventh day for their breakthrough to come. It may be a season of walking in faith, but that season will come to an end. Darkness may last for the night, but joy comes in the morning, right? What happened as a result of their obedience to walk in faith? We find this in Joshua chapter 6, verse 20. It says, When the trumpet sounded, the army shouted, and, the sound, and at the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a loud shout, 
the wall collapsed. So everyone charged straight in and they took the city. Everyone went marching in, not just the army, everybody had a part to play when those walls came tumbling down. So even after the experiencing all the amazing miracles of God, they experienced them firsthand by God's own people, they still got stuck in life in the future. So if you've seen the mighty hand of deliverance of God, and yet you just don't have the faith to take that step again, don't worry, you're among good company. God isn't finished with you yet. He hasn't given up on his plans and purposes. Just time to get stepping, right? It's just amazing to think about. But the reality is God's kingdom is always moving, always advancing, always calling his people onward and upward, always calling his people to take the next step of faith where he is beckoning them to. However, those places, they're usually unfamiliar. They're usually filled with opposition. The enemy is awaiting you there because he does not want you to have the promises of God. The way doesn't often make sense to get there either. And it is often filled with even impossibilities. Even then, that same generation of people who saw the walls of Jericho, who saw the Jordan and crossed over on their own feet on dry ground through the Jordan and its flood stages, this is what happened in Joshua chapter 24, verses 12 to 15. God said, I drove them out before you. And they saw many, many miracles after this. I drove them out before you. God did the hard work. He fought the battles. He said, you didn't do it with your own sword and bow. I gave you a land on which you did not toil. I gave you cities that you did not build, and you live in them. You eat from their vineyards and the olive groves that you did not plant. <laughs> We're blessed. We are incredibly blessed. God does all the work. We get the spoils of victory. Now, verse 14, he says, Now fear the Lord. Serve him with all faithfulness. All faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this very day whom you will serve. Whether it be the gods of your ancestors that they serve beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are currently living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. See, the choice is ours. God has incredible plans and purposes. God has our best days yet ahead. God wants to release miracles in and through our lives. But the choice is ours. Are we going to serve him? Are we going to fear him? Are we going to take the next step in faith? You see, Elijah brought together God's people several hundred years later. Essentially the same message. You remember the showdown between the Baals and uh, God's people? First Kings chapter one, verse eighteen through first uh, chapter eighteen, verses twenty to twenty-one. So Ahab sent word throughout all of Israel, assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. Elijah went before all the people again, bringing all the people together, like Joshua had to several times. Now um, Elijah is doing it, the leader of Israel, and he said to all the people, "How long will you waver between two opinions?" How long are you going to be stuck? How long are you going to stay in this place of uncertainty? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. And guess what the people said to Elijah? It says here in my Bible, the people said nothing. They were stuck. 
They knew they were stuck. They were in the valley of a decision and they knew they couldn't stay there. They had to choose to serve one or the other. Even as Jesus in the New Testament said, he cannot serve both Baal or both mammon and God. He can't serve both God and money. You got to choose. Which one are you going to serve? Which one's going to be your master? Is it going to be the good, faithful, loving, heavenly father? Or is it going to be some made up God? In fact, God revealed the end times to the prophet Joel. And this is what Joel saw in Joel chapter 3, verse 14. Multitudes multitudes in the valley of decision. I believe that we are living in those days and that as the days progress, we're going to see that in an even increasing measure. Multitudes stuck, undecided, can't decide whether God is God or, or whether he's just made up. Joel goes on to say, for the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. So being stuck in the valley of decision, it's no place to be. God is calling us up higher. God is calling us to ascend up to his mountain that we might see our lives and our circumstances through his eyes of faith. It's time once again for the Joshua generation to rise up, to step out and to start walking in faith, to walk and not grow weary, or to run and not grow weary, to walk and not grow faint, to soar above those things on wings of eagles. The Lord's calling us up. But we've got to take this step. We've got to follow his lead and take the next step firmly on his promises, on his word alone. Trusting that when we go to the left or we go to the right, there'll be a voice behind us or inside of us. The Holy Spirit saying, this is the way. Walk in it. It's time to start boldly and courageously following his lead to drive out whatever enemy might be possessing God's promises in our lives together. Right? And I know our family's going through this right now with COVID. We're taking a stand. We are not accepting the um, place that, that any sickness or disease has in our lives. It is stolen ground, stolen property. We are the Lord's, all that we are. And he'll have all of us. And we will see the goodness of the Lord here in the land of the living. We will taste and see all of his promises right here and right now. And we won't stop pressing on and we won't stop serving until we see it in its fullness. And we're believing that's what God is going to do for you this morning. It's time to start believing again. Start hoping again. Start having faith in the Lord again. Get back out those prophetic words and those promises. Get into the word of God and see what his word promises is yours. And start kicking the enemy. Give him the eviction notice off of those promises. They are yours. They are yes and amen, right? And so let's just uh, pray here to, together this morning and ask God, what's your next step? So Jesus, we thank you so much for authoring and pioneering a way where there is no other way. Help us, Jesus, to rise up in the same empowerment of the same Holy Spirit that you were filled with, that we are now baptized and filled with as well. Help us, Lord, to see the next step that you want to take in faith. And even when we don't see that next step, Lord, to start walking in faith, trusting we will hear your voice calling us to the way that we should walk, that that is the way and we will walk in it. Jesus, give us the boldness and the courage we need to believe in you once again. Give us your eyes of faith that we may walk into floodwaters, that we may march around um, seasons of the enemy in full belief that you will fulfill everything that you said is ours. 
We just thank you, Jesus, for not giving up on us, for always hoping in us, always trusting us, always persevering, Lord, through our poor decisions and never giving up on fulfilling your promises and your purposes in our lives. In your name, amen. Amen. Well, I can't wait to hear testimonies of that next step of faith that Jesus is going to reveal to you this week. Have fun in it. It's an adventure, right? Amen. Can't wait to see you all in person once again. And thank you for your prayers and for um, just standing arm in arm together with us, believing in the Lord for each one of us um, to reach our full potential. All right. Bye. God bless.